there's a great deal of misunderstanding in this Indian and we all need, including myself, we all need a lot of chizik. We need a lot of chizik. Uh, it would be much better if the person right there was saying Yashia now. So Mr. Shem, you'll be hearing from her every Wednesday night. But in the meantime, we decided to divide, we decided to divide up the responsibilities a little bit. Because it's not, it's not often that I have a chance on more of an informal basis to talk with a group of, uh, of mothers. Of mothers, and hopefully grandmothers in Mitzvah Grandmothers. And, uh, and, and it's, an, it's an opportunity to, to, to learn an Indian, which I think that we could, we could finish this country. So I'm going to tell you what this little cipher is. Most of you have photocopies. I would have gotten this far, but they're really impossible to get more than, than a few of them in America. This is, uh, these are like bootlegged copies of something which is, is uh, very unusual. You'll see why once we start learning. Here's another copy, a photo step. There's another Godel in Yerushalayim by the name of Rabbi Zilberberg, who is generally unknown in America, who is part of a Chabura, a group of Talmud Chacham and Shul Nachlas Yaakov. This Rabbi Zilberberg has has electrified groups of people in Israel with his Divrei Chizik and his Divrei Torah. Even though it's unusual that I would learn something of, of, a, of a contemporary Talmud Chacham, somebody from this generation, there's so much we have to learn from the earlier generations. Nevertheless, I wanted to do something which I think is very much no to us, which we can gain a lot from in a few weeks learning together. We should be able to finish this entire country during the summer, and I'll add on certain things as we go along. But you'll see why I felt, you'll see why this is a very special springboard to get into discussions regarding the subject of of how to raise our children, how to educate our children and our grandchildren and Mitzvah great-grandchildren right and there are maybe some and some teachers will see that whatever we're learning here applies for parents, applies for teachers and I've gone through literally you know over the years hundreds of different things, things have been written on this subject, Svarim and so on but to be able to capture the ruach of what true chinuch is in such a tiny little country, you know, when the the uh, when they asked the Noim Elimelech, the Rebbe of Melech, about the Tanya, so the Rebbe of Melech said that it's amazing, or they say some say from Kedushas that it's amazing that that the Balatanya was able to take such a big god and put him into such a small sefer. So this huge subject of chinuch, and every one of us has it on our minds. You know, that every single week you see there's another seminar for kids at risk and for this and for that. And all of us think about this and worry about it. We're living in a very difficult time. So this is not going to go into, do not expect this to be techniques of education. It's not, not, it's not what this is about. This is about an overall posture, a stance, a way of thinking that we have to work, we have to work at achieving a certain new, it's really very old, but a way of looking at our children and a way of looking at, at the way that we need to educate them. And this whole little country is like a tefillah. It's not written in the normal way. That's why you'll find in the middle, they'll be occasional, they'll occasionally switch into Yiddish. When he gets so heartsick, when he can't say it anymore, when it's not anymore able to be written in, in Lashna Kodesh, he'll come out in Mamalash and in Yiddish. But very little Yiddish. It's 90, 95% of it is in, is in Hebrew. Um, I want to begin, though, by way of Hagdam with something that I once spoke about to a group of people. Actually, this, this, this talk I gave to a group that's called one, Just One Life. I'm sure some of you have heard of it. They do amazing work. They, they're involved in, in finding parents for children who, whose parents, whose mothers are not able to take care of them or for whatever reason. And it's just, well, just one life. And I spoke to them last year. And I began with the basic question of, of why is it important to have children b'chlal? What's the whole meaning of having children? The first thing that the Baruch Shalom said to anybody in this world was, Vayem alhim lakim pru Hashem told Adam and to have children. It's the first thing the Baruch Shalom said to anybody, was to have children. And we have a rule in the Svar Makadoshim, Rabbi always says this, that when you find something for the first time in Tanakh, it means that it's the Yisoyed Vishorish, it means that it's the root and source of that matter. So if the first thing that Hashem said to anybody was, have kids, pru it must be that that's the that's the most essential underlying request that the Rebbe is making of each and every one of us. So, Karim Kol, why? What does that mean? Number one. Number two, there are people who, La'aleinu, are not able to have children. 
what happens to those people who are unable to have children. But the reason that I want to begin with this is because before we begin to discuss what to do with these gifts that Hashem has given us, and what Chinuch is all about, we have to first appreciate what's the tachlis of having children. And he doesn't write about this here, so I want to begin with this just for a few minutes. And then we're going to learn this country's inside, page after page. The whole thing, the whole thing is all together 20, uh, 28 pages. And I'm confident that we'll be able to finish it, and you'll have this as a treasure that you could, you could review. That's why I wanted to do something that we could finish, not to start some safer and to learn three prokim and then oh, that's it. But this we could all finish together and learn. So the first thing the Baruch says to have children. To fill the world and to conquer the world. So it's a funny thing that the mitzvah of having children is related to some sort of a conquest. What is it that we're supposed to be conquering? Our children are supposed to be conquering the world. What does that mean? If anything, they seem to be conquering each other most of the time. So what does it mean to conquer the world? To be kavish the world. So in order to understand this, I want to just explain something at a very, very basic level. Ever since you and I are children, we've all heard of something that's called Chilul Hashem. And it's always a way, when I was a child, I always understood that Chilul Hashem meant behave nicely in front of non-Jews, right? Whenever we were going on a class trip to the Hayden Planetarium or something, don't make it Chilul Hashem. We weren't quite sure what it was, but we understood it meant don't beat him up, don't put the gum on his, uh, you know, we understood it meant that people are watching and don't make it Chilul Hashem means that Hashem is going to be angry. Don't make a chil Hashem. And, and the same thing, my parents. I wasn't quite sure what they meant, but they were, when we were going someplace, and if my sister and I were carrying on, my father would say, it's a chil Hashem. I never knew what it meant exactly, but I knew it was bad. Something is wrong. What does it mean, Lamaise, chil Hashem? <clears throat> and if I were to ask you, what was the greatest chil Hashem that ever took place in all of history? So when I, when I have asked that of my students, so somebody would say, somebody would say, what? The Holocaust is a chil Hashem. Jews are being, Jews are being tortured and being murdered and so on. right? The Chayta Egel was a chil Hashem. We're still suffering from it. We're still suffering from it. So the question in halacha, what does chil Hashem mean? Does it mean, does it, is it primarily in front of non-Jews? Really, it's primarily in front of Jews, not in front of non-Jews. But, but, really, the greatest chil Hashem that ever took place. No one ever. When I asked this question, nobody ever answered it. The greatest Chil Hashem that ever took place was creation. The creation of the world was the greatest Chil Hashem ever. How could that be? Because the word Chilul Hashem, which we translate as a desecration of God's name. Really, you all know in Hebrew, what's the meaning of the word Chalal? Chalal. What's Chalal? Chalal means what? Emptiness. It means a vacuum. Yeah? It means an emptiness. In modern Hebrew, they use for outer space, they call Chalal. Or a spaceship, I think. The Chalal is... The, 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 this is, it means empty space. So what is Chil Hashem and what does it mean? What does it have to do with emptiness, with an empty space? So the way it's explained in the, in the Kadmonim and the Svar Makadoshim is as follows. There's a very, very big principle in the teachings of the Zara Kodesh and the Ariya Kodesh, which obviously we're not going to discuss on, on the level that it needs to be discussed. I mean, Hashem, at some other time in our lives, we'll talk on that level. But right now, on our level, you all know that it, that because Hashem's light is infinite, because Hashem's greatness is overwhelming, the Baruch Shalom could not create a world and reveal His presence fully. Were Hashem to reveal Himself in all of His, in His essence, the world could not exist. The same way, al Derek Marshall, to understand this in a very simple way, if you were given a, if you were given the task of teaching a first grader arithmetic, and you're a person that knows calculus and advanced mathematics and so on, and you decided to, you began to teach the child and say, well, let me explain to you. And you started to talk about some of the ideas that you have in calculus. Now, I know personally that, that math became a big problem once it switched from numbers to letters. You might remember that terrifying day. And it was going well as long as it was numbers. So if you would tell a little child some formula and you begin to discuss arithmetic according to your understanding, not only would the child not know one plus one, but the child would be so frightened, would be so terrified that he or she would retreat from the world of mathematics entirely. Right? Would shrivel up. Many many kids do. Would retreat. So, Kivyachal. When Hashem is Baruch, in order for Hashem is Baruch to create a world in which there could be human beings who would have free choice, for whom life would be meaningful, the Baruch Shalom cannot reveal His essential being, His essence, His life, because the world would not be able to exist 
in the, in, that, in the presence of such powerful, powerful godliness. Therefore, the Ben Shalom concealed his light. This concealment in the terminology of the Zohar and the Ari is called Simsum. Simsum, which literally means the constriction of light, has been explained in a way that upon first glance would appear to be, God forbid, a very dangerous concept. It means simply that God, in order that the British Shalom, in order to in order to create the world, had to withdraw his presence and make room in an empty space. He created a halal, an empty space, without his light, without his presence, so that a world can exist where there would be human beings who would have such free choice that they could even say there is no God. Now, it's explained by the tzaddikim that it does, this does not mean, God forbid, that there is any space that's empty of Hashem's presence. Chas v'chalila, that's why we say chalila. God forbid, there is no space that's empty of, of Hashem's presence. So what does it mean that the Ba'in Shalom withdrew His presence? It means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu concealed His presence. The same way in the Moshul that I gave before, that when you're teaching the child math, you certainly do know the advanced mathematics, you do know calculus, you do know trigonometry and so on, but you have to withdraw that information. It's there, you can access it, it's available, it's present, but what you do is you cover it with many veils so that the child will be able to understand to the point that you actually take two apples and put it on the table and say, look, look, sweetheart, how many apples? Oh, then you explain, there's one apple, there's one apple, we have two apples. But, but hidden, in, in, hidden in your words is your entire knowledge of, of, the, of the subject, which is, which is the subject of trigonometry or calculus or whatever it may be. So too, in order to create the world, the Baruch Shalom concealed his presence. Not completely, not completely. The name that we have in every single mezuzah is Shin Dalad Yud, right? Shakai. And the Gemara learns that the, the, the meaning of that name, Shin Dalad Yud, is Sha'om Alalomai Dai. The Kadosh Baruch Hu said, when he created the world, he allowed enough of his presence into the world so that we can search for him and find him. But we also have the choice to reject him. And the only way that that's possible is because Hashem has concealed, has withdrawn His obvious presence from our lives. Therefore, in fact, in truth, on the deepest level, Achil Hashem can take place any time that a person doesn't avail it's Achil Hashem. And if you look in the Rishayim, if you, if you would study the Sugyas properly, you would see well, it depends upon who the individual is, but in general, there is such a concept that, that any Aveira is in fact a Chil Hashem. Why? Why? Because on the deepest level, you understand that if I would feel, if I would, if I would be aware of Hashem's existence, and if His presence would be real to me, it would be impossible for me to say that word of Lashmar. It would be impossible for me to be Mechal Shams. It would be impossible for me to, to say the wrong word, to look the wrong way. If I felt his presence, the story there's a story about the Kedusha Slavi, Rabbi Ditchever, that I'm sure many of you have heard. They say it from a Moshe Lipsasov also, could have been with both, that, that the Tzaddik, the Kedusha Slavi, was once, uh, he was walking along the road and he and there was another Jew that was passing by. He didn't know that this was the famous Bedichev, and he thought he was Thomas Schlepper, so he offered him a ride. He said, Yid, come on, I'll give you a ride. So the Bidditcher was very grateful, and he got into the wagon. He didn't say, hello, I'm the Kedusha Slavi, you know, I'm, I'm the Bidditcher. So he sat there, and after a few minutes, this fellow stopped, and, and they got off, and there was an orchard, obviously belonged to somebody else, and, the Kedusha, and, he, and he said to the Kedusha Slavi, look, you know, it's, uh, uh, we're both hungry. I'm going to go into the orchard to go find some good schayra, some good stuff, and I'll tell you what, you stay over here and you watch, and if there's anybody that you notice that's watching, then, then whistle so that I'll be able to, to uh, hide. So, of course, you know, the end of the story is that the, the fellow goes into the orchard, and the second he walks into the first, into the first section of the orchard, the Bidditchev starts to whistle, and the guy comes running and says, What, 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 who's watching? The Bidditchev says, Who's watching? The Vanishlam is always watching. It's, it's very sweet, it's very simple. If we would have that in our mind, all of, if we would think about that, we would never be able to sin. Therefore, what's a Chilashem? A Chilashem means that there's this craziness. There's this craziness that we fall, any time that we do an Aver, it means that we're, it means that on some level, we are falling for the apparent absence of Hashem from this world. We're falling for it. We're giving into that. That's Chil Hashem. Therefore, what's Kiddush Hashem? Kiddush Hashem means, and this is the responsibility of our lives, Kiddush Hashem means that each and every one of us has the responsibility, and this is why we're here, 
to fill the world with God's presence, to reveal Hashem's presence in the world. That's a Kiddush Hashem. To, to show through our words, through our actions, even through our thoughts, to reveal Elokus in this world. That's the purpose of being here. More and more Elokus, more and more the godliness. Based upon this understanding, you could realize the meaning of the Chazal tell us at the beginning of Bereshis, it says, All these languages of emptiness and, and, and nothingness and so on, and you know, Chazal tell us that, this, that these four languages of nothingness, of nothingness, Choshech and Tahom, are referring to the four kingdoms of Bavel, right, Persia, Greece, and of Rome. So the obvious question is, there were no four kingdoms at the beginning of creation, so what's, what are Chazal talking about? There were no four kingdoms. There was no Bavel. There was no Persia. There was no Greece. And there's no Rome. So what does it mean? What, was the, what were the four kingdoms doing there at the beginning of time when there was nothing in the world? No. What's the answer? The answer obviously is of course the four kingdoms didn't exist. But by the mere fact that God created the world in such a way by means of what we learned is called the Tzimtzum a constriction or a concealment of his presence, that gave birth to the possibility of those kingdoms that are going to stand opposed to the Ba'an Shalom's will. They are going to be opposed to the Ratzon Hashem, the four kingdoms. But really, really, any time that you or I... There are more than four kingdoms. Are, those are the four primary kingdoms. As discussed at length, in the, in, 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 especially in the Maharal, why Davka, those four kingdoms, each one is opposed to one of the letters of Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke. Right? And Mitzrayim is not on the list, right? That's a very interesting thing. Okay. Mitzrayim, it, it corresponds to the Kutsu Shoyud, the little point of the Yud is Mitzrayim, of Hashem's name. But be it as it may, four is the number of separation. That's why there are four directions, right? North, south, east, and west. Four always means the Alma de Piruta, the world of separation. Our job is to be Miyached Shem Hashem, to show that there is a God, to bring God's presence into this world, into our lives, to show that this is just an act of concealment. It's connected. The four sons, or the four kashas, all the things about Pesach with the number four are connected to this subject. Yes, absolutely. Wherever you find the number four in Yiddishkeit, especially Pesach is surrounded with four, it's connected to this because Pesach is the beginning, is the birth of our people. And that's why it's very much connected to bringing about the yichud of the four directions back into oneness. And that itself, and that's why David Amelach comes from Yehuda because Yehuda's name is the only name of the Shvat and has in it the four letters of Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, with a Dalit in the middle, right? Because the point of the Dalit is to bring the four kingdoms Dalit back into Hashem's name. And that's why David Amalek's name is Dalit Vav Dalit. Dalit connecting with the Dalit. This is a very big subject in Torah, it's not for now. <clears throat> but that's the meaning of Chil Hashem. And, this, and the concept of, of Kiddush Hashem is the opposite. Now, how does this relate to having children? So when I, when I explain this Indian, uh, I mentioned a story that I once heard. Some of you might be familiar with this, and certainly nobody should be offended by this story, although it's the story is slightly offensive. <laughs> there, there, there is, there was a Maisi, you know, the vision of Rebbe, the Ahavis Yisrael. He was called the Ahavis Yisrael. He didn't name himself the Ahavis Yisrael. The Ahavis Yisrael was Mamish a Jew that was in love with Jews. He couldn't see anything bad in a Jew. The vision of Rebbe. The last, not, the, not the, what this is in Europe yet. Two Rebbe's ago, there was this Rebbe, then there was before, and the Rebbe before that was Rebbe Swalke. The Havis is the vision server. So there's a Meister from the vision server that he came to a certain city. And when he came to this city, every single man, woman, and child came. Thousands of people attacked the train station. Everybody closed their stores and they came in their Shabbos clothing. And they were pushing and pushing. The men were pushing to get near the tzaddik. And the vision server came off with his family, some chassidim. And everybody was pushing. It was a whole commotion. All of a sudden, there was a big Kriyas Yamsuf. The people, all of a sudden, everybody moved over. Why? Because in Vizhnitz, there was a certain Jew that was a very, very horribly unkempt person. He was terribly obese and filthy. And, and everybody, not because of Derek Heretz, but because they didn't want to be near him. So everybody just moved over. No, he, he wanted to see the Rebbe. Go ahead. No one got in his way. So this Jew walked through like an ocean of thousands of people. And he comes right up next to the Tzaddik. And the Havis Yisrael is standing there, and the Havis Yisrael looked in his eyes and saw right away, you now 50 years of embarrassment, 50 years of humiliation. And the Havis Yisrael ran over to him, and the people, like when he did this, the people that were there, they went, oh, like they all started, they, they, they couldn't believe it. It was a fellow, like, you know, that hadn't showered in 30 years. He was, a, he was a, uh, one of these types, you know, Nebuch. 
So the vision sir ran over to him, and the vision sir jumped, and he went, he was huge, and the vision went over to one side, and he says, ah, he gave him a kiss. He only reached like over here, and he gave him a kiss, and the vision said, ah, it's a piece of a Jew. And then he moved over a little bit, there was a big guy, and he kissed him again, no hashtikid, no Now it's another piece of godliness, another piece of elikuz. No hashtikid, the story means the following. Because whenever you hear a story of a tzaddik, you have to always ask, that's a story. What does it mean? For us. The story means every single time that you or I bring something of the Rabbi Shalom's presence into this world with a bracha, with a mitzvah, with a shtikal tayra, every single time we do that, it's nachash, every time it's nachash tekelokus, another piece of God's presence. When you have a child, when you have a child, every child that you have, you plan on teaching that child to wash neglavas the same way You want that child to say Yishma Yisrael. Your dream is that child should go into the chuppah in the right way with the right person, and that child should give birth vaita, doris and doris, ad be as gold tzaddik and and further, right? With doris yishar, with good yidin, with elach yidin, and each one of those children. Is going to be is going to be nachashtikiyid, right? Another piece of Jew means what? Another piece of the Baruch Shalom in this world, because the world, you know, sometimes we think that we fill the world and we're concrete. It's not true. Flappish Barbrak, Munsi, Monroe, five towns. You know, it's not the whole story. You know that. I'm sure some of you have ventured out of your neighborhoods, right? So you know, you know that this is. The, it's, it appears to us we're so cozy and comfortable in our little world. This is not. This is not the world at large. The world at large does not recognize. This and does not acknowledge the Rabbi Shalom. Certainly not in the way that we understand as being true. Therefore, every time you and I in this world, which is so, which is so, which which is so concealing, which is covering so much of God's presence, every single time that we give birth, we bring into this world a child, and we teach that child to go in the right way. More, more, another Jewish child means another way of filling the empty space. Of filling the emptiness, of filling the void with God's presence. More Shema Yisrael, more Gemar Brachis, more Tanakh, more Kepetlach Tehillim, more of the Baruch Shalom in this world. That's the whole tachlis of being here. But there's a tonight, there's a condition, and that's what we're going to talk about. And that's what this whole, that's what this whole Shia that we're going to have, it's not Shia, this whole Shmuz that we're going to have over the next few weeks in Mitzvah is about, and why I wanted to learn Davka this Kuntus, but you'll see why. The Gemara says, the Gemara says in Shabbos, Mahu Afata. You're all familiar with this. Just like Hashem is compassionate, Mahu Rachum. Just like Hashem is compassionate, so too we're supposed to be. We're supposed to imitate the ways of the Bereshit. So Hashem gives clothing to those who need clothing. So Afata. So you also are supposed to clothe those who are in need. And so this is the this is the tachlis of resembling as much as possible Kivyachol. Obviously, you can't be Hashem, but we, to resemble the actions of Hashem. That's what it means to bring more godliness into this world. The more, we re, the more our actions resemble the Rabbani Shalom's actions, the more elokus, the more godliness is being brought into reality. The more reality is being changed, is, the more Hashem's light is filling the empty void. The more the tohu, vohu, and choshech, and tahom is being filled, is being corrected. That's the tachas of our lives. Therefore, when you have a child, when you have a child, the, <clears throat> the only reason that the Bernstein is giving you a child is not that you should have a little plaything that you could dress up in a cute little bow tie and skirt. That's nice. Everybody should have nachas and enjoy. But if you think that that's the tachlis, to dress up a little kid, that you should have the cutest, the smartest, the sweetest kid on the block, that's the tachlis of having a child, you miss the point. For someone to bring up a child in this world, and that child is not living in a way, is not being brought up in a way to resemble Kivyochel, the master of the universe, Mahu Afata, then he's not filling the world with a lakus. What happens if, God forbid, a child goes off the derech? Khalila. A child goes off the derech, so you know, when a woman is pregnant, Hashem is sitting there thinking, aye, this is going to be unbelievable, this is going to be a nachashtik yid. There's going to be another Jew coming to the world. Another, another Jew coming to the world means more of my presence, more of my light, more of creation that's going to be fixed. So who could imagine, could we even imagine? The disappointment of Hashem. Hashem's disappointment. When that child who is supposed to fill the world with Hashem's presence turns out, God forbid, to be a When the child turns away from Hashem's birth. The tachlis is to fill the world with children who are going in the way of Hashem. 
And this is how Rabbi Naftali Rebshitzer, the Rebbe Rabbi Naftali Rebshitzer explains the big bracha that Hashem gave Avram Avinu, that you're going to have so many children, it's going to be like, you're going to have like the stars of the sky, and you're going to have like the sand on the shore. You're going to have so many children. So Rabbi Naftali Rebshitzer said, what's the, what's the big deal? You ever ask yourself sometimes, you know, your mothers out there, grandmothers, well, the grandmothers usually, as Hashem, just have nachis. But for the mothers and for the fathers, you sometimes wonder. You know, you have, you know, my wife and I have discussed this over the years. You have Baruch Hashem, you have a child, and you know, it's, it, it's so hard. And when you have a second child or a third child, as Hashem, it doesn't get easier. And you would think that, sometimes you wonder, why didn't the Barsham just tell us to specialize in one or two kids? I'll specialize. Now you see, like you know, if, if all of the, if uh, instead of all of our kaches being so dispersed, if us and we're so we're so fragmented, we're so torn between different children and their demands and their needs, wouldn't it be a different surah? If I, I'll tell you what, instead of dividing up all of my kaches among the children, I'll have one super kid. I have a super kid. So I'm not talking about just ask the question: What's the big bracha? You can have so many children. What's the big bracha? A rav once said something. I think my wife heard she has somebody. Somebody told me that, that there was a rav that gave a shir that he gave, that he was saying that he gets from women. He gets two types of calls. One is, rabbi, what am I going to do? I can't handle my children. The other is, rabbi, what am I going to do? I don't have any children. Right? So if we if we'd hook up one with the other, it would make things a little bit easier to have a discussion. Akhalpanim, why so many children? What's the bracha? That the big thing is, the first thing the Baruch said is have children and conquer the world. We understand now that this conquest is certainly not military. Conquering the world means to conquer with godliness, <clears throat> to bring Hashem's light into creation, to bring more locos, another piece of the Baruch Shalom in the world. So the Rapshah explained that this is not the point, it's not just time to have kids, but more and more kids. What, to, fill up, to fill up stadiums, to fill up you know, concert halls, that's the need of having children? No, the need of having children, the Rapshah says, in the midst of the Ikka, midst of Puravu, the Rapshah says, is that there should be more, there should be more of those who are revealing God's presence in this world. Now, you remember I, I asked at the beginning, what about the painful situation of a woman who was not able to have children? And that's a subject that's obviously very, very delicate. And it could be very, very painful for someone. If people that, that are, for years are trying to make the mitzvah and they're not able to. So here, and this is not so much, it is no get to what we're learning, but I, I just, I don't want to leave without this Indian without explaining this because it wouldn't be proper. Here we have a teaching for the Bnei Yisrochah. Bnei Yisrochah taught that really, really, since the Ikka Mitzvah of Puravu is to bring more godliness into the world, one fulfills this also by teaching Torah to others. The main Mitzvah of having children is there should be more godliness, there should be more Torah, more Yerashamayim, more Lukus. Therefore, really, he says the Ikka Mitzvah is when you come up even if you're by yourself, even if, God forbid, if there's a woman who's not able to get married. And we, we know people like that, that for years and years they're trying to get married, they're not able to find the shidduch and so on. But once they're married, it's not working out with the children. So where does that leave that person? So B'nai Sosik says, since the Ikka Mitzvah Purvu is to bring more godliness into this world, when you learn more Torah, when you teach more Torah, when you bring more Yiddishkeit into the world, even into your own personal life, then you are being fruitful and you are multiplying within your own life. You're bringing more elokus into your own life. He says that having children is a hechet timsa to do it in a very, very remarkable way. Because now not only is there me that's working on myself, that I should become someone that's growing, but I can even bring these children who are going to grow and bring more elokus, and therefore it will, it will multiply ge geometrically. That's gewaldic. But on, but on the most basic level, the mitzvah of Puravu of having children means giving birth to myself qualitatively, more and more of myself, more and more of the Bernstein in my own life, and in the lives of other people who I could touch by how I act, by how I teach, and what I do. Having this in mind, by way of Abdama, I would like now to begin the contrast from Rav Zilberberg, and you'll see why, this, why I chose this. Okay, uh, you can turn the first page is just uh, like a table of contents. Turn, turn the page. Base, page base is where it says Aleph. Ratzon Hashem is Baruch. Now this Jew, Rabbi Zilberberg, is a, is a very big tzaddik and he's very humble and you'll see it in every single paragraph 
you'll see how his humility comes out. And you have to remember that these were actually shirim that he gave orally that were transcribed. And he said that he rushed and really reviewed a little bit of there. Already, we already have, uh, there are already four or five swarm from this, uh, from this Talmud Chacham. And he just reviews them quickly. But you could see that the style is not the normal written style of a sefer. It's more like someone who was saying. But he said it in Yiddish, then it was transcribed into, into Hebrew with occasional lapses back into, into Yiddish. Let's look inside. At Dafka wanted we should learn a safe inside, not just to give a shmuz. It's important to have something that we could that we could review. What does what does mean? Chinuch means whatever our Father in heaven wants us to give over to the hearts and to the souls and to these pure souls, the neshamas kedoshes, to these pure neshamas that have been entrusted to us. You have to know that there's a very, very big subject. The subject of chinuch, of education, of teaching children, of these, teaching these neshamas kedoshes is a very big subject. And Hashem wants us to progress in this area, to improve in this area of chinuch throughout the days of our lives. Shekol Yelad, every child, Kol Ben, every son, Kol Bas, every daughter, Kol Talmud, every student, who Oilam Mole Bifne Atzmai, every child, every student, is a complete world of his own, of her own. The Kol Talmud Torah, every single little Cheder, Kol Kita, Kol every class, Kol Yeshiva, Kol Shia, Kol Malamid, Kol Mechanath, Kol Magid Shia, Kol Mashgiach, the Kol Sharm Ashpim LeTalmidim, whoever is giving over to students. Bechol oifen in any way, bechol gil shu in any age, who oilam mole bifne atzmo. That class, when dealing with school, that class is a, is a complete. Well, anybody who's a teacher knows, who has ever taught, which I'm sure many of you have, you know that that is a little universe that you're in. No one else in the world can understand it. Not the one who taught them before, and not the one who, taught, who will teach them after, because the way that you interact with those kids in that class, that's something that's its own world. No one else can understand that. Only you and the kids. Therefore, therefore, to give a shir, to give a few shirim on this subject, it's like being asked to teach the entire Torah standing on one foot. Right? The famous mice in the Gemara with, with the Hillel Azaki. I'm, he says, he's just excusing himself. I can't, I certainly cannot reach, I cannot, I cannot discuss in, in a fair way, in a, in a total way, in a fundamental way, in all of its details, this great matter. Nevertheless, Hashem wants us to work on this Indian, to talk about some basic general ideas. That Chazal and the Tzadikim have revealed to us. That will be able to give us some help and some chizik, because the main point of these talks we're going to have through the summer of a chizik. To give us help and chizik in this shlichus HaKadosh, this job that Hashem has given us. We're all shlichim, we're the Baruch Shalom shlichim. We shouldn't fail. Last week's parasha, the Miraglam failed. They were shlichim and it didn't work out. We're shlichim. Every single one of us is a shlich. Every single one of us was sent into this world for a specific purpose, to have those children. Very often I'll have, I'll have a woman who's, who's divorced with her, and she's with her children and she'll cry and she'll say, why did I have to go through that? With that what, what happened? Why did I have to suffer that, that experience that I had with that individual and so on all those years? <clears throat> Why that person, that's one of the sides of, of creation where the neshamas come from. But instead of, instead of trying to figure out where, what was before, certainly you're a shliach mitzvah, you were given shlichas to take care of these children. And certainly the Baruch Shalom saw it necessary that these children be brought into the world davke from that person in this way. Whatever the reason, this is your shlichas. And your shlichas, and your shlichas means that you have, like we know in halacha, there's a rule. What does that mean? That when someone sends somebody, it's as if the person himself is going. According to Allah, if somebody sends a shliach, he has the power of the mishaleach. So each and every one of us has to know. And we're going to talk about that a great deal. That since, since we were sent here to take care of our children, it means 
that Baruch Hashem went out on our own. Shluch Shalom Kamaisa means that the Baruch Shalom has given us the ability, each and every one of us has, it's sometimes it's hard to believe, that each and every one of us has the strength that we need to cope with our kids. Now you, I know everyone of us feels that I could take care, every time you look at someone else with their children, say, I, I could take care of those children, but I can't cope with my own. It's not true. The Baruch Shalom gave you exactly what you need to be able to cope, not just cope, cope sounds like it's management, to be able to raise Sadiqim. No hashtik yid, to bring more lakus into the world, davke, with your children. He gave you those kaychas. Because shluch shalom kemaisai, so Hashem is the one who sent you. And you have to remember that you're a shliach, and you have to remember that you're here because of shlichas. You were sent here. And then if we at least try to find some chizik, try to understand the basic responsibilities we have as shluchim in this world, <coughs> when we learn, even though we'll learn just a little bit, some basic principles we know that when it comes to the Torah, the Torah is very fruitful. The Torah multiplies. The Torah is like a wondrous plant. You put a little one... You put a little, a little seedling into the uh, sapling into the ground and then from that grows out the most beautiful, wondrous tree. So to Torah, when you plant some ideas of Torah into a person's heart, into a person's mind, so you know the Torah, ma'amish, ma'amish, it begins, it, begins to, to, it begins to multiply, it takes root and it grows. The Koska said though, you know, we say every day in Kriyashma, right? On your heart. So I'm sure some of you have heard there's a famous question from the Kotzke. You know, everything the Kotzke said was fast, very sharp. So the Kotzke asked, why does it say, upon your heart? What should it say? It should say, in your heart. Why does, why does it say in Kriyishma that the words of the Torah should be upon your heart? The words of the Torah should be within your heart. So the Kotzke explained, because sometimes a person's heart is so hard that the person has gone through too many difficulties and the heart has become hardened. It's like a stone. And the words don't penetrate. But the Kotzke said, but you know, in every, in every Jew's life, there are times when the heart cracks. Whatever it might be, Neila, sometimes it's Simcha. Lailainu, sometimes it's the opposite of a Simcha. When the heart cracks, and then the words fall in. So the Kotzke said that our job in this world is to say good words. Yiddish Averta, you say good Jewish words. Even if the person is not able to be macabre them right away, because the heart is sometimes hard. Nevertheless, when the heart cracks, the words will fall in. Usually when you're learning with women, it doesn't take too long. With men, sometimes you need you know, major excavation work. But generally with women, the hearts are much softer and the words go very simply in. So therefore, to learn this country, so the, the talks were not given to women, these were given to men. So I feel bad because the tzaddik probably to work much, much harder than it would be to work with, with mothers whose hearts are prepared and waiting to receive these kind of tires. But words of tire have a way of being fruitful, of multiplying. So, so when you put a good word into a Jewish heart, so it falls in and then it begins to grow. Mamish grows. And from there you begin to think more and more. Whenever you learn Torah, you see, unfortunately, this unfortunately this is very rarely taught in the yeshivas. I mean, boys and girls. It would seem to be the most basic thing in the world, but we only begin to think about it later in life. What the tzaddik is saying here is that whenever you're learning Torah, Hashem's will is that you should think about how the Torah applies to you. Doesn't that sound simple? When we were growing up learning, I never once entered my mind that this, is, I suppose, that this is supposed to be relevant to me. First of all, mostly the subject matter that we were learning was completely irrelevant to our lives. It was completely irrelevant. We were talking about, we were talking about things that we never saw, we never heard about, we didn't really particularly care about. When we learned a little bit something, Gemara Brachas, the Shabbos was exciting, but usually, you know, we didn't learn, we were learning Gemaras that had very little to do with our lives. The boys, was, we felt it was very irrelevant. And, and therefore, how are you supposed to translate that into something that's real to you, that, that he's explaining that, that Hashem wants that when, when, when you learn something, you should be mechap, what does it mean? You should search within yourself. How can I apply this? You know, the, one of the great tzaddikim, the great grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman said, that the ikir is to change all your Torah learning into tefillah. You ever hear this concept? To change your Torah into tefillah? Changing Torah, what does it mean to change Torah into tefillah? It means when you learn a subject, like, for instance, we're going to be learning about our children. When you learn a subject, Rabbi Nachman said, after you learn that, you should try to take a few minutes and to daven for it. To daven for it. It's the simplest thing. But that's how it brings it into your life. Or else, it could remain just this nice intellectual concept. Why do you find, unfortunately, Hashem Yerachim, that there are many, many people that can spend their entire lives learning halacha, and day after day, in business, they'll act in a way that's unscrupulous, unethical. 
we keep learning. I, I, I said once in the Shia, I might have said in the Shia in Brooklyn, that I remember when, when I was in Yeshiva Nets Israel, you know, in every, in, every, in every group of guys, there's always one guy in the Yeshiva, that he's like Mr. Antalashan Hari, you know what I mean? So you can't say anything near him, because he's, he's the like uh, little Chavetz Chaim of the Yeshiva. So we had this guy, he was walking on the whole time with the Shemitah you know, Chavetz Chaim. And you couldn't say anything. Like if you said good morning, he says, well, maybe for him it's not a good morning. You make him feel bad, you know. And you couldn't talk. The guy was so mocked, and he, you know, and he, plus he didn't really know it well, and that's very dangerous. And it was a whole thing with him. And, uh, you know, we basically kept our distance, and that was it. So after, after uh, Yontif, I forgot which Yontif was, a, it was the next month, must have been after Pesach, so we started another Zman. And he comes back, we're sitting, at, we're sitting the first day at, at lunch, and the guy says, a prostitute piece of Lashon Hara. Not, not like a, it could be Lashon Hara, it's Mamisha. It was an open Lashon Hara. So everybody, Everybody sat there and looked at him and he said, he said, no, uh, this, that was last month I was working in Lashon Hara. N- now I'm working, uh, I forgot he said, I'm working on, uh, on some other, on Kass, or some other Midah, you know, that's, you know, that's the Midah of the month. So, you know, what happens to us is that we very often, we learn certain things and, and they remain these ethereal, intellectual constructs that are abstract and we don't bring them into our lives. Very often... You know, one of the most refreshing things you could ever do in life is to teach Bali Tshuva. You know that. That's so unbelievable. Because they're so excited. They're like the fish that are coming to the top of the water to get a drop of rain, right? Like the Medrash says, that even though they have all the water they want, but it's coming fresh from the Rabbani Shalom. So the, 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 the Bali Tshuva, they, they're so thirsty for Torah. They're not bored. They're just, they, they want every single letter, every single ice, every crown of every letter they're waiting for. So I've often spoken to Bali Tshuva about this, who feel after time that they've been, that they've been from for a while, they're getting nervous that maybe they're going to become like the rest of the from people. So they don't want to be that way. I mean, they want to look religious. They want to write, wear the right outfits and send them to the you know, schools. They want to have all the right equipment and everything. But they want to remain excited. They don't want to get bored and out of it. So, so one of the main things I've spoken about over the years is this concept from Ibn Achman, which is very deep teachings. I'm just mentioning it. He has tires on this unbelievable tires on changing tire to tefillah. So I said, I'll tell them, listen, you're learning halachas, let's say, you're learning the halachas of how to light Shabbos candles, right? So you're learning all the details of how to light Shabbos candles. You know that every single one of those details, if you would daven for it afterwards, even write it into little tefillah. And I had students that showed me years later notebooks, hundreds of pages of tefillahs, of their own tefillahs. And they daven from these things over the years. That what? That Hashem, today we learned this marvelous halacha. We learned this halacha, you know, that, that I can't, that until after I finish the bracha, I can't yet enjoy the light of the Shabbos candles. Hashem, help me to appreciate the light of the Shabbos And the whole year here, of what that halacha means to you, and you make your own tefillah, then, the, then, that, then that thing that all, that might have been just a boring, dry halacha, do this, don't do that, because you know, one of the hardest things to teach is halacha, right? How do you make halacha interesting? You know, so maybe nowadays, like you have teachers, because now you have to entertain the kids in school, it's not enough just to teach. When you and I were growing up, the teacher said, this is the halacha, and you said, well, why? He said, be quiet, this is the halacha. But now, like, you know, in schools you'll have teachers, if they're teaching, you know, they're teaching halacha, they'll come dressed up like the forum, right? And, you know, and those are the ones that are getting the, the best jobs. They, and they, you need people to entertain the kids, and they use imagination and so on to make it more exciting, more interesting. Because, the, the, because we have to feel that the halacha is something which is relevant to us. And if you don't daven for something, it, 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 it could very often remain completely, completely irrelevant. Until it comes up that you have to apply the halacha, but that it should become part of who you are. You have, to, you have to daven up the halacha, you have to daven, you have to daven. So he's saying here that when you learn something, you have to search within yourself and think about yourself. How can I change? What is this halacha? What is this thing that I'm learning now? What does it mean to me? And Hashem, how can you help me carry this out the pile? That I should be able to actually do this, live this way. Not just to talk about it, but to mamish live this way. You know how many shiurim we've all heard over our lives? Hundreds, if not thousands of shiurim. And, and, you know, it's like sometimes I'll say to the... When, when kids come back, when the students come back in September, you know, when, when you get kids after the summer, it's like they walk in and everything is blank. So... You could, you could sit down with someone that was, let's say, in high school for four years. I'm talking about, say, even secular studies, Lahavu. Right? You could say to someone after four years of high school, take out a piece of paper and write down a piece of paper everything you remember from high school. You could fold the paper in half and write down everything you remember from high school. You could tear off a little curb sheet and remember everything you remember from high school. So, can you imagine? Hundreds and hundreds of hours n- n- taking notes, sitting and listening. Have a little rule. What is it? What? What do I have from it? You have to somehow, when it comes to secular things, it's not as urgent, unless you need that for work or something. 
but when it comes to Torah, we have to find a way to make it something which is mamish a part of our lives. That's something that becomes real, that's bepoil. As a toelis, lemaise basiyas retzayin Hashem is baruch. The practical toelis, the practical benefit of, of of doing what Hashem wants us to. Lefi matzava, according to your matziv, your circumstances, the makom, your place, ushlichus on your shlichus that Hashem gave you in your life. Dafka, your kids, your husband, your your situation, your neighbor, whatever it is, your shlichus. Lefi beisa, your house. Lefi matziv benoi, bito, your your the matziv of your son, your daughter. Tell me that your student lefi kaiches and nefesh lahem, in accordance to the kaiches and nefesh that they have. The via kaiches and nefesh shalom in your kaiches and nefesh. Vaideshi yevakish ma'ashemis baruch she she yancha isav emagleit sadik laman shemai. And you daven to Hashem that he should that for the sake of His name, that's so desecrated, for the sake of Hashem's presence that's been so emptied out of creation. You will, with the help of Hashem, know how, how and how much, how the Baruch Shalom, our Father in Heaven, wants you to teach your children, to illuminate the lives of your children, the Talmidah and your students. Now he says, it's not so simple to talk to other people. My own heart knows my own bitterness. In other words, that I'm not worthy, he's saying. Especially when you teach, when you're talking about about teaching, right? Especially talking about chinuch, it's the most it's the most difficult thing for anybody to give a shear about it because anybody who's giving a shear, unless maybe it's like unlike outside Yisraelim, but certainly when it comes to somebody like myself, I know that every single day I'm botching it up time after time with my with my own children, and every single day I'm botching it up with my students. At least during the summer, I'm often messing up my my students' lives, but my my own children have to continue with me, so. I know that, and it's so difficult to talk about the subject of chinuch because you always feel like you're a failure. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you feel that you've ever failed, <laughs> but you always feel that you're not doing it, you're not accomplishing it. He says, <laughs> I don't really know this well. And that's my, my message to you also. The hishtadlis here is that I'm not giving you a shir on it. We have to try to be mischazik biyachat, to try to find chizik together. Some things I'm going to say are not accurate. Exactly, I might say it in someone else's name, and it was the wrong. I'm saying because he said this, you know, a lot of it was said was said really on the spot. So, next page, eventually, maybe maybe I'm just saying, it and it sounds as if I'm saying it, but really I heard it from someone else, but I don't remember. I want to tell you, he says right now, all of this is just a fine chizik. He says, in other words, don't. Don't you're going to catch me that I misquoted someone? He says the ikir is to find chizik. Approximately, I'm suggesting. Sometimes, therefore, I haven't properly quoted someone when he needed to be quoted. Let's just do this paragraph, and we'll end for now. There are two ways of giving over the holy Torah, the Torah Kedoshah, to the coming generations. There are two ways. The first way is fathers and mothers giving over to their children. Giving their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And then there are teachers. Those who are saying shiurim. All those in chinuch. Who are teaching Torah to the Jewish people. And that's going to be throughout this country. Because sometimes he's going to be talking about teachers, sometimes he's going to be talking about parents. But he's saying right now from the beginning, that it's both one and the same. That the underlying principles apply equally to parents and to teachers. To every father and mother, to every teacher and mashpia. It's all mamish one thing. You know that Chazal explained the pasuk that you shall teach your children. It means children. The gam The Gemara says it's referring also to your to your students, right? So we see from here, we see from here that students and children are referred to are are, are referred to as banecha, and therefore, therefore he's explaining that imkain kola inyan shall hatalmidim nilman bevishinantel Therefore, it's interesting. Our entire relationship that we have with students is learned out from how we should relate to our own children. 
Can you imagine how different it would be in the yeshivas if that were applied? When they should tell me them kruyim bonim, when they should tell me them kruyim bonim, because tell me them students are called your own children. Vaharav nikra oviv, and the Rebbe is a father. Every father and mother, every Jewish home who Talmud Torah is a little cheder, it's a little yeshiva. Every Jewish home is a Talmud Torah. And whoever teaches Torah to another Jew, and that's what I, as if you've given birth, because that's what I was talking about before. Why is it as if? Because you brought more godliness into that child. You brought more of an awareness of God's presence into that child's life. Therefore, it's as if you gave birth to that child. Because that child is now more of a Jew. There's more godliness in his life. So whenever you teach a child, Torah, any child, any other Jew, Torah, it's Kiliyaldo, the Gemara says, as if you've given birth. Everything is Mamish one. If Chazal themselves have said it, it's as if you've given birth, you know, Chazal don't exaggerate. When they say it's as if you've given birth, it's not some sort of a nice title that you're what, honorary mom or honorary dad because those are your students. It's not a nice title. Chazal don't do that. We're not talking here about, about somebody that's giving a speech. It's Chazal. That's what it means in the Gemara. <coughs> that the Kesher Hanafshi, that the spiritual Kesher, the spiritual bond, between a Rebbe and a student, between a student and his Rebbe, should be on the same madrega as a father with his child. Whatever we're going to talk about it regarding Malamdim teachers, Shaykh Gam Lahirim applies to parents as well. And whenever we're going to speak about parents, Shaykh Gam Lahirim to the teachers. Because all of this is one. It's all one matter. Now, next week we're going to begin to actually to get into the, into the subject of, of the shlichus that each and every one of us has and fulfilling the shlichus and the difference between just being a teacher of Torah and someone that gives over Torah by way of being a shliach is what we're going to begin, we're going to learn next week.